Um, all right. So, uh, introduction. Introduction. Here's one. Here's a thing that I have on my mind, um, which is several days ago, there was a man outside my house hacking sacks. Hacking the sacks, you say? He, he was hacking sacks. He was doing... Playing with the devil's balls, as they say. How many sacks was he hacking, Cad? Yeah, how many sacks? He was only hacking one sack. But the thing that was truly disturbing is I texted several people and I was like, there's a man, a strange man, standing outside my house hacking sacks. And everyone was like, that seems normal. Cad, did you text me? No, I texted Sophia and I texted my other friend Hannah. And they were both like, yeah, that seems normal. Seems normal that there's a strange man hacking sacks outside your house. Wait, wow. how close to your house was he hacking the sacks? He was standing at the at the bottom of the like little stairs that go up to my house. So in your yard? Well, it's like out on the sidewalk right in was front he, of my yard. Was he one of your neighbors? No, I don't know who this man was. He for was how, a strange man hacking sacks. For how long did he continuously yeah. hack the sacks? Yeah. Well, he hacked the sacks for probably 10 minutes. <laughs> and then... And then he just sat there looking at his phone. That no, that is weird. That's very cursed. Because he's he, very cursed. So he had completed his hacking, his sacking ritual, his sacking. He he sacked the sacks all the hacks had been he, hacked. He hacked all the sacks, and then he just sat there. And I think then my day at work ended, and I stopped caring about what was outside my window. This sounds um, like um like a bad Dr. Seuss book. <laughs> it does. It truly does. It sounds exactly like that. The man hacked the sacks. The lore Which sacks did the man hack? The lore sacks. <laughs> the lore sacks. Oh, God. The man outside your window was the Haxler. And oh. Uh, oh, he's going to learn a valuable lesson about, I don't know, consumerism or some shit. But and then, then his, double, his double is going to come and fuck him. <laughs> I nope. mean, well, that's, that's sub. Caitlin, that's subtext. That's oh, subtext. yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. That doesn't literally happen. But it Look, does happen metaphorically. Right. I I really have to say that I hate that I have to see in the year of our Lord 2020, I have to go on the, <laughs> that cursed hell site that is Tumblr, which I have never left. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I am seeing Onceler posts again. Yeah, because no one has anything to do. We all fucking Ugh. cope in different ways. You know, sometimes you just want to see the fucking Onceler fuck himself once. Lord. Oh, I hate it. I hate it. <laughs> hate it. I mean, if you're going to ship anybody in that movie, it's one Slurex Lorax. I Come agree. On. Everyone's a I coward. I mean, listen. Everyone no, is also, a coward. It's clearly that is the ship. I mean, clearly, like, people are cowards, right? People are fucking absolutely. cowards. Absolutely. Can we just agree absolutely. that people are fucking cowards? They are. We're cowards. Absolutely fucking cowards. My, uh, my name is Hannah Colbert, and I'm not a coward. <laughs> and I play Slake. <laughs> My name wait, is. Wait, stop! You're taking all out of order. And I got fine, fine, fine. And don't fucking call me Chicken Little. I'm not Chicken Little. He's a coward, and I am not a coward. My name is Cat. I'm your DM. Let's play D and D. You have a dream. It's your last night at the Horsemaster's Fields, and you 
haven't had dreams like this ever since you met Pavia. Your dreams haven't been bothered by things you can't control. However, this night, when you open your eyes, you are in the void. The darkness is absolute and physical, except for that river in the distance. The stars which flow across the blackness but shed no light. However, unlike that trip you took in Dawson's bag, you are removed from it now. Just observing the darkness until it resolves into a black and monstrous shape. A wolf with inky black feathers and a crown of antlers. But there's no golden man this time. It's just you and it. And it stares at you. Then takes a beat and turns away and begins walking across the blackness. It leads you across the blackness for a time. Until you're standing above that river of stars. The pinpricks of light look so far away even when you're right on top of them. Then again, it's hard to tell distance in this place. They may be even further from you than when you began walking. The beast bends its head down and opens its jaws, and then plucks a point of light as though it were a fish in a stream. When it raises its head, you are both in a clearing, in a dark forest that smells like cold, clean wind. Your forest. Not too far from the clearing where you grew up. There are three people standing in a clearing, two of which you recognize. There's Buddy, only he's younger, not much older than you are now, and he's pacing, running his huge hands through his dark green hair and making it stand on end. Demora, your mentor, she's standing on the other side, twisting her crow mask in her hands. The third is a woman in a deer veil, who is standing with her arms crossed. She pushes the veil aside in agitation and says, do you have a better idea? And Buddy turns on his heel to look at her and says, You're sure you looked at all the books in the library? Even the big ones? And the dear guardian, who must be Alonia, she rolls her eyes and says, All of the relevant ones, yes. If the goddess passes before bearing herself a new vessel, someone on Estra will have to volunteer. A god needs a body to act on that which is. And Demora puts her mask down and then picks it back up in an anxious motion and says, What if no one volunteers? What then? And Alonia takes a deep breath, lifts her chin, says, They don't have to. I'm volunteering. And Buddy and Demora both start speaking at once, but a fourth voice cuts them off. No. A young woman walks into the clearing, holding herself tall. She looks like Mary, a bit. The shape of her eyes, the slope of her nose. Her skin is dark black and her hair is a halo around her head. She looks sick. She's too thin and her skin is ashen. Despite her air of authority, she's trembling like every motion is a mighty effort. Buddy rushes forward and takes her elbow. He says, you shouldn't be out, it, it's cold. And the goddess smiles bitterly. I don't feel it, she says. She surveys her guardians and then shakes her head. The three of you will not discuss this further. I will find another way. 
Those last three words bring you back to the void in an instant. And you see the beast in front of you, its jaws working around those words. Its voice sounds like the goddess, but also many other women, all of them speaking in a cacophony. Find another way. You wake up in the warm bed provided to you by the horse masters, and it is almost dawn. <laughs> Corbin? Slink, 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 slink. You okay? It's like I had a, had, had a weird dream. Oh, um, weird, like, like weird prophetic weird? No, like old weird. Like, it was about Kai and Mary and the guardians before us. And Kai was sick and they were going to sacrifice somebody. But then she was like, I'll find another way, which I guess meant boning Torva. I don't know. Corbin, that's fucked up. I'm sorry. It was. It was. It was weird. I was in the void for a little bit, too. Did you see Fran or Mary? No, just Kai and like some stars and a river. Do you think... Kai was communicating with you on purpose then, through the dream? Yeah, but I don't know what she wants me to do, and I don't fucking trust her ass. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Well, I'm gonna go back to bed. Good night, Slake. Uh, um, well, <laughs> okay. Good talk. S- sleep well, Corbin. <laughs> uh, in about 15 minutes... There's a a pounding at the door. Oh, God. (laughs) Do you answer it? Yeah, yeah, I'm going to get up and answer the door. Uh, The pounding, it turns out, was not from a person. It was Burger Jerger, who flies directly (laughs) into your face. (laughs) (laughs) Burger Jerger. And uh, as she careens around the room uh, and then eventually lands on Corbin's head. (laughs) Burger Jerger! Come on, you two, sleepyheads. We've got to get going. Oh, can I, can I just have a depression nap for like six more days, Burger Jigger? Come on. <laughs> that doesn't sound healthy, Corbin. Come on, <laughs> eat your bugs. we got to get going. You brought bugs? Well, no, you got to go find your own bugs. I'm not your mom. Oh, Burger Jigger, why you make me work so hard to live? <laughs> Corbin crawls out of his bed and then goes out to scavenge for grub. Literally. Literal grub. <laughs> Literal grub, yes. <laughs> I assume that the horse masters probably also provided some kind of like continental yep. breakfast. Oh yes. Uh, when on your way out through the, the horse masters great hall, you pass by a lovely spread of like porridge and dried fruit and toast. I'm going there. They have cold cuts? Uh there are no cold cuts in the morning, no. No. Oh, okay. There is some bacon. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I disagree, but Corbin is what Corbin does. It. Corbin is a vessel of myself, and I don't like bacon, so. <laughs> okay. Um, we're going to move on from that statement before I have an aneurysm. Um, <laughs> uh, Corbin, if you were going to go look for some bugs, then make me a nature check. Okay. Oh, that's so weird. My nature check? Like, you'd think I'd have really high nature, but I don't. Um, it's a. Huh. Uh, 
It's still 18, but it's like only plus two. Okay, uh, Corbin, you're able to find a small handful of bugs. It is winter, so the bugs are, are not out. They're, but you're able to dig up from the hard dirt some cold little wormies. Hell yeah. They like a little bit crunchy because they're frozen a bit. Yep, yep. Like a Cheeto. I snack it's on nothing them. like a Cheeto. Zero <laughs> percent Cheeto. It's exactly um, like a Cheeto. The, inside the Great Hall, uh, Tasha, one of the apprentices, uh, comes over to you, Slake, and she's looking out of the uh, the open front doors of the hall at Corbin, kneeling in the dirt, digging for worms. She says, "Is he okay?" Yeah, he's just like that. <laughs> he knows there's food in here, right? Uh, yeah, I think he knows. Okay. <laughs> she, uh, she rides off to go and be with the other apprentices who are sitting around another table. Do you want to join them, Slake, or are you going to sit by yourself? Uh, I guess I'll join them. Join them? Uh, so to remind you, the apprentices are Tasha, who's the one who is always on a horse. Uh, Olio, he's the big-boned gnome. Misha. Uh, broody human boy, and Sandy, green-haired half-elf girl who's very into horses. They're all mm-hmm. very into horses, though. Yeah, that's true. And uh, Misha is looking out at the, out the door at Corbin, and he goes, so, like, he eats bugs, like, full-time? Does he even know what real food is? I mean, Corbin eats a lot of things. He's an omnivore. <laughs> uh-huh. Sure. That sounds like something a weirdo would do. You know who else is an omnivore? Horses. What? Corbin could be a horse, too. Yeah, horses, they eat all sorts of shit, right? Fingers. Corbin? (laughs) Corbin, like, looks up suddenly from outside, and he's got, like, worms in his mouth, and he just suddenly turns into a horse and continues to eat the worms. it all makes (laughs) sense. Nature is beautiful. Uh, the apprentices all have a horrified look on their face. <laughs> and Tasha says very slowly, I don't think horses are omnivores. I, really? I feel like I read that somewhere. Well, anyway, it's not important. How are you guys doing? <laughs> <laughs> they are all just staring in horror at Corbin, and they are not able to answer your question. <laughs> <laughs> their Their state of mind is watching... A man turn into a horse and eat worms. <laughs> There's very little room left in their minds for anything else. I mean... Well, they're judgmental. <laughs> um, uh, so, as you are sitting with the apprentices, uh, Amelia comes up and uh, she says, Well, are you and your companions now ready to ride? If you're heading to Roval, you'll need to head west along the road. You'll pass through Doval on your second day, and then it's another day up towards the the port. Uh, We've got supplies and blankets loaded up with your horse's saddles. Everything's ready for you whenever you're ready to go. Thank you. We really appreciate your kindness and and hospitality. And I look out, and I assume Corbin is still eating worms as a horse. Yeah, he is, but he, like, snorts in appreciation. There's worms in his mouth, so one, like, comes out of his nose a little bit. Good. And, uh, Amelia... (laughs) nods she says she she puts a hand on your shoulder slake and uh says there's something wrong with that boy i i just 
smile fondly at Corbin. <laughs> uh, she she then draws you away from the uh, the apprentices and she says, "Now this isn't really my business, but a word of advice to you, that friend of yours." And she nods out the door towards Corbin. He needs help. Uh, I mean, you know. And that's, that's what friends are for. So, be there for him. Uh, yeah. Thanks. I, I will. She pats your arm and says, If you ever need anything, the Horsemasters are here for you, to shelter you, or anything else you may need. As long as we are able. Thank you. We, we really appreciate it. You've done everybody on this continent a great service by turning back Torva's armies. We will all be here for you when the time comes. And she pats your arm again. And then she looks back over her shoulder and sees that Olio has two pieces of bacon sticking out of his mouth like walrus tusks. And she goes, excuse me. And uh, as you, you look over your shoulder to watch her go and see the walrus tusks drop out of Olio's mouth, as the, the four apprentices struggle to comport themselves with any measure of decency as their, uh, their horse master approaches. So are you guys going to mount up and ride out? I mean, I think if, if we've been supplied, that makes sense to me. Yeah, I think I'm ready. Okay. You ready? I want to wait. I want to meet my horse as a horse before I oh, sure. get on to my horse as a human. So you, you head to the stables? Yeah. Uh, you find your horse, Sterling is the name yes. you gave your horse. Mm -hmm. And uh, Sterling looks you deep in the eyes and then shakes his head <laughs> and turns Corbin, away from you. Corbin whinnies and like does a prance. <laughs> He's like. <laughs> Sterling seems unimpressed. Well, Corbin turns back into a human boy and you see sadness in his eyes. <laughs> And uh, Sterling, Sterling bows his head to you with okay. respect. <laughs> Corbin, like, turns away and crosses his arms. This is a very, like, tense, silent conversation. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you have an amulet that can speak to animals. <laughs> I will not. I don't need to speak to my horse. No. We're clearly communicating that, perfectly well guys, right now. You are communicating. And uh, Sterling... After you, you've tr looked away, Sterling nibbles at your hair a little bit. Aww. Corbin gives his little nose a pat. And uh, Burger Jerker is up in the rafters, and she looks down and says, Don't replace me with a horse. <laughs> I would never, Burger Jerker. Don't even fucking joke about that shit. Can this thing fly? No. And uh, Sterling tosses his mane and prances <laughs> away. <laughs> Oh, I feel like I'm in the middle of a divorce. A horse divorce. <laughs> a horse divorce. <laughs> they have a lot of those at a, at a good party I went to. I love to eat a horse divorce. Oh, oh my God, that oh took God. me so long. Oh, good one. Good one. Damn, you really got me. Uh, I want to say hi to my scary horse as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, you've got to get them saddled up and loaded with the supplies. And 
So you go into the, you follow Corbin into yeah, the barn. I want to give my big nightmare horse an apple or a carrot or something. Sure. Oh, your nightmare horse loves it. Your nightmare horse is Yay. very... Have you named your nightmare horse Not yet? Not yet. I'm waiting. I, 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 say, I pat my nightmare horse and I softly speak to my horse friendo and I say, Hey, horse friendo. I'm I'm really looking forward to getting to know you better. And uh, when you're ready, uh, just tell me what your name is. And the horse looks deeply into your eyes. And you understand the horse. It doesn't speak to you, but you understand it. And the horse is absolutely never going to speak to All you. Right. We'll get there. But the horse does, like, nudge your, your face with its face. Oh, I love my horse. And uh, Darius peeks up out of your pocket. Will this friend eat me? Uh, and I look at the horse, and I say, unclear, and I put Darius back into my pocket. <laughs> <laughs> as, uh, as the two of you exit the barn, Melia and her apprentices have come out uh, to see you off. And Melia puts her hands on her hips, and you hear her mutter to the apprentices, we should have given them lessons before they left. <laughs> and Corbin's like halfway out of the saddle. Yep. And she she waves to you all and says, be safe out there. You never know what you'll find out on the plains. But I can tell you're both strong warriors. Just keep your heads on about you and don't die. The horses will know what to do. Oh, thanks. And uh, she sends you off. And as you depart, the apprentices and Amelia and the other people in the town who you didn't really get to know, but... They seem like friendly sorts. They all wave you goodbye as you depart across the snowy plains. Oh, listeners, my listeners... Is it that time yet again, the mid-roll upon us once more? It's me, your old pal Hannah, here to guide you through this liminal space in the podcast. Thank you, sweet listeners, for your continued support in this dark timeline. You keep me young. You keep me young. Uh, so what's what's new? Uh, well, Noelle has been doing listen-alongs, so that's cool as fuck. If you want more info on that, you should follow her on Twitter at Noelle Shiri. Uh, and speaking of Noelle, do you guys, you guys just see what Noelle is just out here doing? That's one to watch. That's one to watch. Noelle, you know, does the music for our podcast uh, and other music as well. And it's all just, you just want it blasted directly into your ear holes. Let me tell you. But seriously, her music is amazing and she just blows me away every time. So good news if your ear holes have a vacancy because you can pre-order Noelle's new album, Dirty Calendar, at noelleshiri.bandcamp.com. And you're going to want to, trust me. Your ear holes will thank you later. Also, another thing that is new, as some of you may have noticed, we do have a new vinyl sticker in the store. It's Corbin-themed. Uh, I can't imagine who designed it, but I assume they must be very handsome and talented. You can snag that bad boy at damesanddragons.store. 
Speaking of things that you can purchase in our online store, we have a message from listener Cap and Cakes, or possibly Capan Cakes, and it reads, Hey, Virginia the Dragon, look what I did. You're on Dames and Dragons. You're immortalized forever. I beat you to it, ha! I love you more than your Animal Crossing villagers do. Happy late birthday! A beautiful sentiment, and a wonderful way to support the show. So thank you, Cap and Cakes, and indeed, we wish a happy belated birthday to you, Virginia, from all of us at Dames and Dragons. And speaking of people we want to thank for their support, thank you so much to all our supporters on Patreon, and to our new and increasing patrons, Lydia Castro, Matthew Logue, Nicole Weedman, Nice, Paige Storer, Daythal, Brandon Swihart, hope I pronounced that right, Philip Doe, Paul Volpe, and Dying of Exposure. Aren't we all? But seriously, your support does mean so much, and it really validates the work and the time and the love that we put into making the show. Y'all are just real ones, all of you. So thank you. And speaking of real ones, thank you everyone leaving reviews on Apple Podcasts and other platforms. Uh, really helps boost the show, and we really appreciate it, and we do read them, and they... They warm the cockles of our scabby dead hearts. So uh, thank you, uh, in particular, to Crazy Cat on Apple Podcasts this time for your sweet review. And uh, please, if you enjoy the show, drop a review on whatever podcasting app you are using, assuming that it allows you to leave reviews, and we will cherish it always. This episode of Dames and Dragons is brought to you by Cobalt Press and Deep Magic for 5th edition. Deep Magic? What is that, you ask? Why, it's a book of more than 700 new and amazing spells, with spells for every spellcasting class, dozens of new subclasses, and 16 divine domains, from fear to speed and beyond. They've got dark magic for villains, or maybe just, you know, really cool edgy people, including blood magic, Void magic, infernal magic, mythos magic, and more. Not to mention that there's twists on familiar magic, such as fireball, the old classic, charm person, and even raised dead. Mm. You know I love when those dead get raised. All that, plus dozens of new familiars and arcane servants. What's that? You wish to find out more? Why, simply head over to koboldpress.com and tell them DSPN sent ya. And if you need more content to help you escape the crushing weight of our present reality, maybe give a listen to another podcast from DSPN. Hey there, listeners. It's Shane. And Ishan, your hosts from the Total Party Thrill Podcast, the newest addition to the Don't Split the Podcast Network. We talk topics that help you, dear listener, create and play better RPG games. We have a back catalog of more than 150 weekly episodes. And we got nominated for an Emmy for episode 11, Social Contracts. In episode 154, we talked about crossing the moral event horizon. How evil is too evil? We also recap our home games, like the 40k Rogue Trader campaign, Dynasty Unwarranted. I mean, that's mainly just you trying to kill us all. In your defense, our characters are greedy idiots. Don't forget the three years we spent Neberon playing Morning Glory, your 5th edition D&D campaign. We also review new RPGs and books, and every episode we build a 5th edition D&D character in the Character Creation Forge. You might check out the pint-sized Punisher from episode 119, a halfling with a bad attitude, and 14 levels of Barbarian. So to recap, total party thrill. RPG advice, campaign recaps, and D&D characters built by your dashing hosts every single week. What more could you possibly want? To get back to the actual show? Oh yeah, let me just hit this button, and here you go.
Effervescent. And now, a message to Chantel. Chantel, the code word is Olive Maru. The sleeper agent is active. Go! the tall grasses fade into snowy brush on either side of the road. In the afternoon, you stop for lunch in the shadow of stone ruins which arch across the road in complicated patterns. There are foundations of buildings on either side, but while this road has survived, whatever town or temple used to be here has not. Uh, In the distance, you see little villages, Groupings of a few houses or farms, but the spurs which lead from the main road to these places are well hidden, and you never see anyone coming or going. So in the late afternoon, you hear a high, clear voice singing, and it's coming down the road towards you. When you crest the hill, you see a young woman with a cart and a donkey, and she sings, In dark of night, while battle brewed, the conquest laughed and boomed. The shield was strong, the walls were tall, but neath the lake a shadow loomed. The broken blood of thunder made a sound upon the circle, till roar and screech of wings renewed a thunderous dragon scourge. Survive, 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 we prayed for our survival. I, 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 um, I nudge Corbin. I go, I think she's singing about our battle. What? That song. I, I think it's about, you know, the big battle that we had with the dragon and the armies and stuff. Oh, she's singing about us. Oh, my God. Finally, the recognition that we deserve. Oh, Corbin, what do we do? Oh, we ride down there like long lost princes. <laughs> <laughs> It Corbin spurs his little horse forward and he like squares his shoulders and he's like in a trot. Uh, so you ride on down there and the woman sees you and, and raises a hand in greeting. Hello there. I wasn't expecting to see anyone else on the road. Sorry about the singing. I'm sure you didn't need an impromptu concert. Oh, no. No. Your, your singing was lovely. I love it when people sing about me. Oh, about you? Yes. <laughs> Are you are you posing as Corbin as well? Do you yes. posing right now? Yes. All right. Um. Yes. So Corbin poses dramatically by sticking his hands in the air in random directions, and is he's still on his horse? He tries to get the horse to do like a fun little turnabout, but like he's bad at at driving, so it <laughs> driving doesn't work. The horse. <laughs> yeah. the, the horse does do a little turnabout, but it does then face in the opposite direction. <laughs> yes. Anyway, the woman, like, she cocks her head at your posing, and then there was, like, a dawning realization. She goes, oh, my gosh, you're the people, you're the heroes, the, the, the thing, and the thing, at the town, uh, and you're them. Yes. And then Corbin points at Slake and says, they killed a god. Um, I mean, I had help. All by themselves. Wow. Oh, oh, gee. Mama would tell me I shouldn't be talking to you guys, but wow, real heroes. You're not 
There's not trouble coming, is there? Uh, I mean, in a way, there's kind of always that, right? Yeah. But I mean, specifically? Not that we know of. Yeah. Nothing, like, specific that we know of, but, you know, always be on the lookout for bad behavior. Well, you're not heading up to Dovel, are you? Uh, yeah. Oh. Well, you shouldn't take the road, then. I mean, speaking of trouble, that is. Oh, what's, uh- The gray's on the road ahead, and you don't want to mess with that. The what? The gray. No one who outgoes into the gray ever comes back out, so- you know, you'll know it before you're in it, so if you just skirt the feeling of wrongness, you'll you'll come out okay. Uh, what exactly is the gray? We don't know, really. We tried to ask the gods, but no one's answered us. Mila and Bav, we've got temples to them all over, but they've been silent about the gray. Well, that all sounds very vague and ominous. Um, you're saying we shouldn't go on the road. Uh, just go around it then, or? Yeah, you'll need to... Just, uh, skirt around the scrublands. You'll have to leave the road, but it's really not too bad, especially if you're on horseback. Harder to lug a cart through, and she pats the side of her donkey. Is there anyone who would know more about this thing? Uh, she shakes her head and says, No, my, uh, nobody who's gone into the gray has come back out. We lost a lot of good people in the last couple of months since it showed up. Uh. Including my brothers. Oh. What? Uh, what happened in the months preceding its arrival? Nothing. Nothing out of the ordinary, anyway. We had our harvest. We had our harvest festival. Gave all our offerings to the gods, as usual. Then just something strange descended upon the forest, and- Which gods? Oh, Bav and Mila. You know, the gods of harvest and plenty. Mm. Uh, of course- You know, uh, offerings to the parent and the child, and all, all the- Normal offerings, you know, harvest time. Yep, yep. <laughs> anyway, that's all I wanted to let you know. Just, j- you'll feel it before you get to it. So as long as you just don't go towards the feeling, you'll be fine. Um, okay, sounds so, great. All right, well, have a good day, y'all. Stay safe out there. Thanks. Ooh, yeah, maybe we'll take a look at it just to get a sense of what's going on. I'm gonna go directly into the feeling. Well, I guess you're heroes, so that's what you do. I, uh, hope that if you do that, you make it out. Be fun to have a few more verses to the song, you know? Oh my god, yes, I'm going directly into it. (laughs) Alright, well, stay safe. Good luck. If you see my brothers, uh, let them know Lala's looking for them. We will. You stay safe, too. Bye! And she, uh, heads on down the road in the direction she was going. Corbin, any any thoughts? You've seen probably more weird oh. things than I have. I'm just, I'm ready to go into some weirdness. <laughs> I'm ready to distract myself with my work, <laughs> which is just approaching any weirdness that I see. Let's get, let's go, Slake. Let's deal. I with mean, this I think we should definitely go check it out at least. I don't know whether or not we should run directly into it, but maybe there's a chance we could save the people who. Are in whatever it is. Yeah. Yes. Let's let's do th- let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> and then he that spurs his little horsey forward. <laughs> when you uh, when you plunge ahead, you feel the gray before you see it. It's just like Lala said. 
your horses sense it too, and they shy away from the road, taking each of you in a different direction as they try and skirt this feeling. It's like a twisting pit in your stomach, and your pulse gets quicker, and you know that there's something behind you, but when you turn around to look, there's nothing there. Uh, Corbin, do you have any spells that might be good for this kind of thing? Uh, let me, let's take a look over here at the, at my character sheet. <laughs> and do we see any sort of, like, fog or anything? Or is it just a feeling? So far, it's just a feeling. Weird. As you head further into it, there's a creeping mist at the edges of your vision. And everywhere you turn to look, that mist is just, just right at the edges. It seems normal and fine. I have find traps, but I don't know if that works on magic traps, so I need to, like... Does your detect magic, like, can it tell what kind? I Yeah, I that was gonna be my second one, is, is to do detect magic. Um, sure. Uh, you see directly ahead of you, there is a large concentration of magic. To your vision, the aura looks just like an impenetrable gray mist that has descended upon the road. In the system of the forces that we use on Avalis... Uh, you can tell this is magic that is associated with the force of shadow. Okay. Cool. Um, I tell Slake all of that. I'm trying to think of like a safe way to go into the magic pit. We could try throwing or firing something into it to see if that. Oh yeah, that's a good idea actually. I don't really do you. Are you good with a bow? I mean, I've got. Yeah, I could do it. I could tie a rope to it so that we can pull it back and see if it's, like, dissolved or whatever. Maybe, we, yeah, let's put something at the end of it and then... Yeah. Like... I have rope. Yeah, I think rope. I'll... I think I'll use yeah. uh, some of my rope that I have from my big old rope cloak times and... Yeah, <laughs> That's buddy. right. You've still yes. got rope on so there. I yeah, think I'll, I'll tie an arrow with rope on the end and then um, I want to... I guess let's let's... Maybe get closer so that I'm within firing range of the concentration mm -hmm. of magic. Um, and then I want to mm -hmm. try to fire it into the center of that the best I can. You fire the arrow into the center of the magic and pull it back on its rope and it looks totally normal. Okay. So it's not like going to dissolve our bones or anything. Yeah. I mean, probably. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to see if I have like a protection spell that I could cast on us, but I don't really think I do. Like, not, like, a protection for magic as right. a general spell or And anything. we can just go in and, and, you know, just go ape shit. Let's yeah, just let's go just full go Mickey. Yeah. You're just gonna do it? Yeah, let's just go do you it. You know, I I feel like we've probably handled worse things, right? Yeah, Slick, you know what? You're right. We've fought a dragon. You've killed a god. Like, I did a Moses thing with water once. Like, let's just go in. Like, what's the worst that could happen? Yeah, you know what? Let's do it. <laughs> Let's just go. For the listeners at home, I am smiling very wide. <laughs> cat. <laughs> I love it when you guys say, what's the worst that well, could happen? Because you know. I know. You know what? Yeah, I want to see what the <laughs> yeah, fuck is in there. Let's curious. go. All right. So as you forge ahead, the road twists and that gray mist at the edges of your vision creeps further in. You can see toppled buildings off the side of the road, and ruins much like ones you passed earlier this afternoon. But they're hazy, and hard to see if they're near or far. 
about five minutes into the gray, Slake, you feel someone's breath on your neck. Oh! And when you turn, you find a young person sitting on the back of your horse. They are maybe 13 or 14, with silver gray hair and deathly pale skin. Their eyes are a clear, cold gray, and they look at you with a very serious expression. Uh, hi, friendo, I say. You're big and strong. Are you the leader? Um, I mean, I would say we're more of like a, uh, uh, a combine kind of thing. One of you has to be the leader. And, uh, Corbin, you feel this breath on the back of your neck, and when you look around, the young person is behind you, and they're gone from where they were behind you, Slake. And they look up at you and say, so then are you the leader? Our leader is in the void. Well, one of you has to be the leader. Which one of you is I the mean, leader? I, I personally feel that uh, deciding things by quorum is uh, a healthier relationship. We're but, a democracy. Uh, what about you, um, small child? Uh, who are you? My name's the Grey. Oh, uh, have you seen some people maybe coming in here? Yes, but they weren't right. I need to know which one of you is the leader before we start. Which one of you is the leader? Are you the leader? No. I feel like this is a trick question. Nobody's the leader. The gray shakes their head and then climbs down from your horse. Well, one of you has to be the leader, so come on. Uh, do you follow them? Corbin looks at Slake and and says, do you, do you want to you wanna go? I mean, uh, I don't know. If we're going to figure out what's happening here, do you think we should follow them? Or do we just beat up this child? <laughs> I mean, I love to beat kids up. But, like, <laughs> probably, let's, you know, what's the worst that could happen, am I right? Let's do a vote, because we're a democracy, and Corbin looks meaningfully at the child. <laughs> the gray puts their hands on their hips, says, come on. I vote to follow the child. It's like, what's your vote? All right, let's do it. All right, the democracy is unanimously chosen to follow the child. Lead us. <laughs> You're the leader now. <laughs> Asked an answer. I can't be the leader, but we'll figure it out in a little bit. Come on. And the gray starts walking down the road. In the misty world around you, shadows move about. Strangely shaped. Some of them tower above the trees and others skitter among the roots. They're just indistinct dark shapes to your vision. But the gray waves at them occasionally. Those are my siblings, they say. What are their names? <laughs> they don't have names. Only I got a name. Oh, man, that, that probably causes some tension. Who, ga who gave you your name? My father gave me my name. Who's your father? Vascus. And uh, that name means nothing to you, Corbin. But it's uh, so, like you recognize that is the god of shadows, the shadow maker, Vascus. Oh, so, so you're a demigod then. The gray just shrugs. I'm the gray. Great. <laughs> um great <laughs> good one corbin <laughs> and i give corbin a high five thank you hey the gray turns around and points to your necklace corbin i know that symbol i haven't seen that in a long time you're one of pavia's right you can go visit that which isn't you can see the void oh yeah yeah i saw it this morning actually perfect you're who I've been looking for. I just know it. Come on. Oh. Okay. 
Uh, and uh, the, the gray runs ahead into the mist. Corbin looks at Slake and says, oh, does the democracy vote to continue following the child? Uh, I mean, why not, right? <laughs> yeah, okay, we're in agreement. The democracy will proceed. When you emerge from the mist, you find the gray waiting in front of a temple, deep in the woods, deeper than it feels like you've gone into this wood. The columns lining the road crumble around you, held up by vines and trees that have grown into and around them. These columns lead to a small stone building, which the Grey walks into and then pops back out and says, Come on, this way. Is this your house? No. Come on. All right. It's where my dad is. Oh, okay. Uh, hey, what? um, um <laughs> Please, Slake, go ahead. Quick, quick question, uh, the Grey. <clears throat> um, is your dad, like, is he prone to say, I don't know, like, like trapping people in some sort of weird unreality or, or separate plane of existence uh, and, like, never letting them leave? The Grey shrugs. Come on! Okay, because, you know, um, are, are we... What are you... Are we helping you right now? Like, is that, is that kind of what's, what's going on with you and us? Is that the deal? The gray sighs and, like, rolls their eyes and does a big 13-year-old sort of tantrum. Um, and says, come on. Yeah, you want to help? Then help. You have to come with me. Okay, because we'd love to help you, but we would, like, super appreciate it if, you know, you could just tell us you weren't gonna, you know, say, do anything that led to us never being able to leave here. We need, like, even a little bit more information on what we are helping you with. You need to help me get my dad back. What's wrong with him? Okay, okay. He's gone, and I need to get him back. If we, okay. if we help you get your dad back, and let's just say hypothetically you had a bunch of people that were maybe stuck in kind of your whole big gray magic cloud here, would you maybe let them leave? Well, none of them were right, so I guess they can leave. Okay. But it, only if you two are right. What happens if we're oh, not right? Okay. Then we all stay here. It's like, but it's okay. We're right. We're all, we're right. That's a Slake. good point, Corbin. It's it's fine. <laughs> yeah. What do you think, the Gray? If you guys can help, then I'll let everyone else go. But you have to help. All right, we'll give it a shot. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The democracy is in is in unanimous agreement. We will help. All right. So you follow him into the temple. Sure. Yep. Yep. Uh, when you walk inside, you find yourself totally alone. It's like you look around and you don't see Corbin anywhere. Corbin, when you look behind you, Slake is gone. You are both in a square stone room with a set of stairs going downward. Oh man, I can't believe this vague, ominous child we just met might have tricked us. <laughs> Corbin, Corbin says... This you is, can't hear each other. This you're alone. No, I know. In, independently okay. of of Slate, Corbin says okay. this. This tracks. <laughs> this makes sense. <laughs> do you uh, do you go down the stairs? I'm down. Yeah, Corbin goes down the stairs. All right. The stairs lead into another room. This one is larger. Shadows move across the walls, independent of any light source, and they stop occasionally to peer at you with strange, inhuman faces. Slake, in front of you, the shadows move in swirling patterns, like a dense crowd of dancers. 
Corbin, you are surrounded entirely by these shadows in a cocoon. You hear the Grey's voice. Okay, which one of you is going to be the leader? <laughs>